Well, I uh, I want to introduce what I'm talking about here. I I'm in the midst of the, that series on Hebrews and how it relates to us as New Covenant sons, and we're going to go in that direction. And so I was ready, you know, working on that this week. And last night and this morning, I started. Uh, I just was overwhelmed a little bit, to be honest, personally, with uh, everything that's going on in the country. I'm going to be 65 in a couple months, and I lived in Southern California back in the time of the riots and watch riots and all that kind of stuff. And it's just interesting to me because in my personal lifetime, I can't really remember a time when America was as in turmoil. And I mean, I know I was kind of young through the 60s and there was a lot of that, but there were isolated cases and there was a lot of stuff about the Vietnam War, but I don't know, it just feels really, it was, it was kind of getting to me, to tell you the honest truth. And um, so I, I got up and I spent some time with the Lord this morning and I was, I, I felt actually compelled, and we're going to do that, especially during the breakout time. I was asking the Lord, you know, the practice of this, and I was willing to hunt up another message and another passage of Scripture. But the Lord really settled my heart back in Hebrews chapter 5. And so the, the thought is that there's two ministries represented there, and there's two priests. And all of a sudden, I just began to realize how central this issue and this covenant is to what we can contribute to the world today. So Hebrews chapter 5, two priestly ministries important to us and to the world as new covenant sons. That's what I'm going to talk about. So let's go forward a little bit. All right. Uh, we actually looked at this last week. It's Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Uh, I've got it up here in the New American Standard. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Last week, we talked a little bit about approaching the throne of grace and what that was and, and the extraordinary place that mercy has. Uh, imagine going to the, the, to the governing center of the kingdom of God. And the very first thing you encounter is mercy. And then we went back and looked at the prophecy of Jeremiah in 31.31 there, where he outlined the new covenant. And if you read it, you get down there where it says, uh, where in the, in the Hebrews 8, new covenant, it says, I will have mercy on their transgressions. And Jeremiah says, I'll forgive them. And so forgiveness is linked to mercy. Forgiveness is this ever-present, because of the work of Jesus, this ever-present reality that we walk into when we come to God. We live in a state of forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness. So this was what we covered last week, but it just continues with the very next verse, and it goes to 5, 1, 2, 3. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men and things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal, I thought this was beautiful too. Think about this. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself is also beset with weaknesses. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, so also for himself. Now, if we were to go deeper into this, you would understand that there was a, a, a repeating nature once a year, and everybody knows that, I think, probably it's in this room. Once a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and he offered atonement for the people and their sins committed in ignorance and for his own. And so here's the contrast between these two. In just a minute, we're going to see it. There's two ministries here. There's a ministry 
that ultimately we're going to see in just a minute comes directly from the tabernacle that is in heaven not made with hands because the blood of Jesus has been poured out there. And then there is a ministry of that which was a, a foreshadowing of that, but also an earlier covenant. Okay, And so I've been digging going through this thing with the covenants because I see the way the carryovers get translated when our attention is fixed on Jesus. Because there's a lot of beautiful stuff throughout biblical history, and a lot of the covenants continue over Abraham, uh, elements of Noah's covenant, David's worship. Um, but the, uh, the richness of that revelation of God, as limited as it might have been because of sin and the nature of people, and their rejection of God being in their midst, it's fulfilled, it's filled out, it's released in what Jesus did. And so this is what this is all about. So uh, this is that ministry of the high priest, okay? Now I want to, I put together a PowerPoint slide that may make this work. So we have two ministries, and I'm calling this one the earthly high priest ministry. And the characteristic is that that ministry can deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided. Now, that's a good thing, to be able to deal gently, to be able to steer people in a good way. We'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, earthly ministry is found in Hebrews 9. i got to jump ahead just a little bit. So Hebrews 9, 6 through 10, says this. Now, when these things have been so prepared, talking about the, the, the tabernacle and, and, and the ark and all that kind of stuff. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. So that's where you get the differential between these two things uh, that we just looked at earlier in Hebrews chapter 5. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way to the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worship, worshiper perfect in conscience since they relate only to food and drinks and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. All right, so... What I want you to think about for a second is that there was a wonderful, powerful, but limited ministry that was availed to the people of God. And that ministry dealt with things on the outside, but it couldn't do the conscience. And which is why there was, there was a repeated uh, trip into the Holy of Holies, but it was also why there was such a cyclic nature in the worship and then the stumblings of Israel. And so this thing, and it says right here that this was the division point. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience since they relate to the food and drink and various washings and regulations. So I don't want to take away from the one, but I want you to get a, a picture of the fact that as a person humbled themselves and worshipped God and came under this priestly ministry, there was still this relatively untouched core of their conscience. Okay? That meant that this ministry could only temporarily 
cleanse. And temporary cleansing is not bad. I uh, was working on the car the other day, and I got gunk all over my hands, and I came in and I temporarily cleansed them. And then I had to go back out and work on it some more, and they got gunk on them again. That's life. That's okay. That's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to ridicule or mock. But things, it doesn't work that way in your conscience. Because things still keep nagging, still keep healing. And tell me, so the reason that I started getting excited about the relevance of this without me having to over-extrapolate it and try to shoehorn it in, what we're witnessing in our country is, is a internal disconnection and confusion. And people have passions that don't have solutions. And they have fears that don't have answers. And they're f- trying to figure out ways to do it. And it, it's, it's coming out in all kinds of, uh, you know, it's coming out in protests. It's coming out uh, in some cases in violence. In other cases, it's coming out in depression. And, and if you get on social media, it comes out in all kinds of nasty ways. Uh, this is what it's like trying to solve an internal problem with an external solution. And so I was sitting there talking to the Lord, saying, Lord, can we be a part of the solution? He says, absolutely, you can. And and you're going to see that in these two ministries. So this is a temporary solution. Now, we have another ministry. This is a, a more heavenly oriented ministry. And it's the heavenly high priest. Obviously, we're talking about Jesus. Touched by and sympathizes with our weaknesses, yet without sin. Now, one of the characteristics of the earthly high priest was that he had his own sins to deal with. And so he was with the people and he was having to offer sacrifice both for them and for himself. Now, that's not horrible. That's not even bad. And it does create this amazing ability to be one of the people. And I think there's an element to that, that temporary cleansing that we need to understand. So for instance, if, if you do counseling, if you do healing ministry, if you just want to be a friend to somebody, if any of you would like to go stand with the protesters tonight down in Colorado Springs, that's this sort of thing. It can make a huge difference. We're to grieve with those that grieve, we're to mourn with those that mourn, we're to laugh with those that laugh. But those things are limited more to this level here, relational and horizontal. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, there's a missing element of that in a lot of our, our church life. We're supposed to just put our arms around somebody and shut up and hug them and, and, and let that ministry change their, their situation. That's what I want us to be thinking about. What can we do at that level? And I think that there are some things that we've called spiritual, especially as charismatic or Pentecostal kind of people. You go to um, the, the gifts of the Spirit, for instance. I think those are gifts that could very easily be seen from time to time in the sacrifices and in the, the priestly work on that earthly level. So, so you're, you're touched by the Holy Spirit to, to pray, to counsel, to uh, do a miracle, to heal, do something like that. And so, again, I'm, tr- I'm not trying to discount those, but what I'm saying is those things also point to a, a greater uh, ministry that is a, that can only be administered by a heavenly high priest. Okay? So... In the same way, Jesus was touched, but without sin. That means he could do something that a regular priest couldn't do, a regular high priest couldn't do. And he could take care of the issue that was internal, and that's what we start to get. So this heaven, heavenly ministry is characterized in the next chunk of Scripture uh, over in Hebrews chapter 9. So let me read that. 
But when Christ appeared, now this is just after the paragraph I just read. Well, let me back up to saying, accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered. This is of the earthly priest, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body, imposed until a time of reformation, change, transformation. And then the next verse says, but... When Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered to a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who had been defiled, um, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more? with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so there you go. The part that the earthly priest couldn't do because it was temporal and external, Christ can do because it's heavenly results that we may receive the promise. Okay, now, first thing goes, once your conscience is clean, and once the sin question is dealt with, never to need another sacrifice for again. And this we got to get in our heads. This is what makes the new bigger. Is because what was once a year has now become once for all time. And, and so it got to the part that couldn't be gotten to before. And that is the conscience, the remembrance. And the thing that begins to happen or begins to become possible when your conscience is no longer holding you back, it's no longer nagging you. And God help us to fully embrace the clean conscience that Christ produced in the new covenant, okay? Because still we are capable of, of, of veiling ourselves and allowing the voice of that conscience or, or the voice against accusing that conscience to hold us back. But if we can, if we can receive the cleanness that is available to us in Christ because of the blood that he sprinkled on the heavenly tabernacle one time for all. And because God now can look at us and say, mercy is what I'm going to greet you with. And I'm going to remember your sins no more. Think about that. I'm going to remember your sins no more. This is probably the biggest uh, blunder that I find myself and other people doing. And, the, and the, their answer to it's simple. If you believe in what Jesus did for the sake of the new covenant, and you're troubled by your sins, why? God doesn't remember them. Why would you try to have a conversation with what he doesn't remember? Because you're going to be talking into a divine void. And then you're not going to get the feeling out of that, of, of deliverance and stuff that you're thinking about, because it's it's he's not going to, turn away from the finished nature of what Jesus has done. So, with our conscience clean, that sets us up now for the thing that the new covenant produces that nothing else does. And that is this promise that we may uh, receive an eternal inheritance. Now, eternal is good. What is an inheritance? Anybody? Online? It's something you get that somebody else earned. It could be money. It's, it's, it's something 
from a life that you are a part of as family. Eternal inheritance relates to sonship and belonging. Sonship and belonging. Sonship was nothing that could be produced by the earthly ministry. There was a lot of good fruit down there and a lot of things that separated and it created a people. It identified Israel as a people, but it could not create sonship. And it really, honestly, never even got around to trying. And so, sonship is the reward of a clean conscience. Sonship, the possibility to stand before God as Father, not just God as God, God as Father, and and come to grips with the awesome challenge of saying and believing, I belong here. Yes, Ronnie. A, but it's a particular kind of relationship. It's a relationship where the nature of the father is passed to the sons. Not in that way. No, not in that way. I mean, it could. It could give a relationship as a servant, as a worshiper, as a warrior, as a, a keeper. You know, the, the priest had a relationship as, as servants and so on. But I do think it's significant that one of the things that Jesus said that you would never have guessed would have been a pronouncement of the new way, is that I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And then the whole emphasis on God as the Father, the, the very prayer that is set out before us, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, uh, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and in heaven. So it's a, it's, a, it's a relationship that has a particular characteristic, and the characteristic is relational, yes, but it's relational as a son. I think, is, is, where, is what the New Testament, the New Covenant, I mean, offers that nothing else does. Because we're not constantly, you know, torn in that situation. Okay. In, uh, eternal inheritance leads to sonship. And what sonship and belonging leads to is the answer to the riots. It's the answer to fear. It's the answer to racism. It's the answer to all kinds of national divisions and everything else. It's that our identity is restored. Our identity is restored. With the earthly ministry, the best thing that could happen is that forbearance that spoke of a relationship, Yahweh is our God, could be maintained. But it couldn't restore identity. Identity is only restored when we can step into sonship. And identity is what gives us back all of the stuff that our conscience was screaming against that we had lost. That's why the healing of our conscience creates a way for us to receive sonship and then or to step into sonship and to be nurtured in that sonship to, to, to really begin to look at God as Father. And then... From that position, the picture of our identity, the details of our identity as sons, can be embraced. And then we grow. 
And it, it's that same situation. Okay, so if you want to see how it didn't work in the old, old covenant and in the, the, the process that led to that, the children of Israel were delivered by God through Moses out of Egypt and out of uh, the slavery that was there for 400 years. And they got to where they were able to step across the line. They were called to step across the line into the promise, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because they couldn't see themselves as possessors. They saw themselves as slaves. And there's two ways you can tell. When the spies went over, 10 of the 12 could, could see all the good stuff. They said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are good, all this kind of stuff. But there are walled cities and giants in the land, and we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So the shift in their head hadn't happened. It hadn't happened. And, you know, it's possible for it not to happen in the lives of people today. There's people out there right now trying to find a solution to the, uh, the sense of racism that's in our country, the uh, injustice that's perpetrated from time to time, um, too often, too often. But it's not like everybody's doing it every day. But the pain of it, watching, you know, watching uh, Mr. Floyd be murdered by a police officer, uh, the various other incidents that have happened around the country uh, on all kinds of fronts, just watching crimes. Like, I, I, I don't even know how to manage, I did not know how to manage the feelings I had when I saw the video about pallets of stones and bricks being staged in the city streets. I would like to find the person that did that and have a conversation with them. <laughs> no, that is totally a lie. My initial thought was, <laughs> I would like to find the person that did that while I was driving the bulldozer over to try to pick up those bricks before they got thrown through the windows. And, oh, oh that's a bummer. <laughs> I, I don't know how to process it. I still don't know how to process it if I think about it down here. I mean, I can get temporarily cleansed from those thoughts, but they have the capacity to come back. But if I get to this place, and if I can step across the line where I'm a son and I'm being related to as a son, and God's beginning to speak the regal glory of my identity. And I still know this isn't the fruit of my labor. It's not the fruit of my righteousness. It's not my good thoughts. It's Him loving me back into why He made me. Then I can look at the guy that snuck in at night, the guys that snuck in at night and set those bricks down, and I can go, God, you look at him the same way, don't you? Yeah. Now, we're facing a weird situation because there is evil in this world. And it does manifest through people. But how are we going to be a part of the solution? I read a lot of my brothers and sisters that are just really talking about trying to, um, I don't even know what it would be called, come against it, you know, or um, it doesn't take that much to say that evil people are evil. It doesn't take that much discernment. And it actually doesn't do that much good. But if you can find a cure for the hole in their conscience that makes room for that kind of thinking and behavior. And you guys, we have that. We have that cure. That's it. It's having our identity restored. And so I don't have all the answers, but I, I, I know that my thought about, Lord, how can we be a part of the solution? What I get from my father is step across the line, embrace your sonship, and let me restore your identity. And then, though there be darkness in the land and deep darkness on the people, Isaiah 60, my light will rise on you. And you can keep reading there about how the, 
we become the repairers of the breach, the restorers of cities. I don't know the details, but I know that it's not something to be figured out. It's something to be stepped into and then to manifest sonship. We do it through prayer. We do it through declarations from ascension. We do it. And I really don't want us in, in those two areas to let that be everything because part of stepping across this line is being a son to a real person next to you when you can put your arm around him or stand next to him. So God, listen, he may want us to stand with the protesters. He may. He may want us to go where they are. He may want us to listen. He may want us to, you know, be a friend. Be a friend. Anyway, this is where the change is going to happen. So, we have the privilege of operating in both priesthoods. And I don't, I think this is true. It feels true. It looks true. I don't want to compete one against another because this earthly priesthood is taken from among men and appointed on behalf of men. That has a sense to create a, a communion. In other words, I do understand your anger. I've not, I've not been completely delivered from it. I have bouts of my own. And so I can understand how you feel, or at least I can try. I can listen, and I can listen to what you say, and I can try to identify it. That's part of this earthly ministry, I really think. It's part of the earthly ministry. We can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, because I am ignorant and misguided. And interestingly enough, that doesn't seem to bother the Father, as he is establishing me in sonship. Because he has a bunch of things going on that I don't know how to do except just look at and wonder at Jesus. We were sitting there, oh gosh, what, what was Laurel singing? That song about um, uh, all I did was pray. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All Ray did was give that money when the Lord asked and then the rest came. I offer a token and he gives me back sonship. I offer what I think I am, and he gives me back who I am. And I'm just like a little kid learning it. It's, it's not a done deal. That's why rest is getting to your destination. It's not the end of your trip. It's the beginning. Stepping across and embracing sonship is the beginning of rest. But it's the most active, most dynamic, most creative most exciting rest any of us will ever engage in. And so there is room for this, and we can offer temporal cleansing. There's a chance. I mean, oh my God, it, there are emotions so raw in our country right now that if somebody could, in a disarming way, COVID-19 notwithstanding, just give somebody a hug and, and, and hold it that extra 30 seconds and, and, and identify with their hurt. That could provide a window of temporary cleansing. Is it perfect? Is it everything? No. But why does it have to compete with my stature as a son? I don't have to show off as a son every time I encounter somebody. I don't have to manifest some kind of son uniqueness. I can love. Jesus came down here, and there were people's lives he changed. Think about Mary, who he cast the demons out of. Was her life different? And, and I'm not saying that was temporary, but what I'm saying is that's more akin to this than it is the full manifestation of sonship that she eventually stepped into. And, you know, Jesus was doing temporary clean, cleaning of his disciples for a long time during that three years. 
before he left because they were still asking the same questions at the end. So anyway, there's a room for this, but there's also this that we have. There's also this. Sin has been taken out of the equation as the power that controls everything. And that we've got to understand. And so we can draw near and we can help people draw near. And they can do so with confidence that they're not going to be rejected. Like, what do you need confidence for when you go to the throne of grace? Because you think you're going to be judged. You think you're going to be rejected. And that fear keeps you from going. So, we know that's not true. We know that's not true. Yeah, fear's not a good one. So anyway, these are the things. We've, uh, he's been tempted in every way as we are. That means that every person that's out there uh, enraged by what's happened, insecure enough to try to be violent, or everybody that's staying in their homes afraid, he's been touched by every one of those things. Again, I want to remind you of something that uh, um, Father Kenneth Tanner said when I was listening to him. He said, because of the incarnation, because of this reality that Jesus has been touched by the feeling of our infirmities, and he's ascended and is in the Godhead in human bodily form, that means the God you and I serve has memories of what it's like to have to pull a robe around you to keep the cold off. He has memories of what it's like to miss a meal or to be thirsty. And of course, all that went on with the cross. This is such an intimate knowing, and we can carry this. We can carry this. Now, we can draw near with confidence, and we can help people do so. And over in Hebrews 10, it says that. Consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. So while we can provide a hug or a word in due season that is kind of a temporary touch of the reality of God, we also have the ability to step out of the way when we build a relationship or when God gives us that ability, that opportunity, step out of the way and present a person, help them take the steps that, that their conscience has kept them from taking across into this sonship thing, and they will begin to realize, I really am being greeted with mercy. And then, Father, I, I, I'm so sorry for this. And, and eventually they're going to hear him say, what? What are you talking about? And they're going to understand the reason he, he can say it is because he remembers it no more. He doesn't have to. The work that got us our sonship is finished and it's complete. Okay? So here are some questions. Uh, as earthly priests, and I left this blank in case anybody wants to come up with one. We can talk about it a little bit on the uh, breakout. So we, we share common challenges. That's what earthly relationships are like. And so we really can meet together in a shared experience or a shared concern or a shared fear. And that's a good thing. We can deal gently and with truth in love with people as well on this earthly level. It doesn't all have to be super inspirational. Love works and truth works. And we can do that. And also on this level, we can value even the temporary help that we receive from one another. An encouraging word, a pat on the back, a hug, a meal. There's room for that. God will use that. He'll be in the middle of that. That kind of kindness, that kind of love. Uh, love doesn't seek its own. Love is patient. Doesn't hold a record of wrongs. 
These are not monstrously, vertically, only before the throne of God things. If somebody treats you bad, let it go and be like your Father in heaven. All right, but over here, we can help reveal Jesus' love and the revelation of the Father that he gave. Because I pretty much guarantee you that the people that are, that are out there are violent and the majority of people that are out there struggling to try to make sense of the racism or the sense of rejection, they don't know the Father of Jesus. They might know about him. They might even be Christians. But they've not, they've not gotten here. And I'm not, it's not a competitive process. It's a place where you can begin to, to be who you were made to be as a son. Uh, helping, provoking, leading to the throne of grace, and then declaring and revealing the eternal inheritance. You know, some people just need to have that spoken over them because they don't know to ask for it themselves. And we have that ability. I'm here to declare over you, my friend, that you have an internal inheritance in Christ that the Father delights to give you. And you don't need to think a thing about any of that which has kept you at bay, kept you back, kept you afraid to approach his presence. Because when you come to him, I declare in the name of Jesus, he will receive you with mercy and he will remember your sins no more. Not very many people have people say that to him. Not very many people have people reach into their spirit from, from a distance and speak those words as seeds. We have the ability to do that. So, for those of you that are in the room and those who are on Zoom, if you guys want to unmute, anybody got another element of how this earthly ministry or how uh, sons of our, our heavenly high priest, how are those going to... These are for the breakouts to discuss. Anybody? Okay, Tim. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, and I thought forgiveness. Ah. Powerful, because forgiveness for yourself. Even. Sure. Yeah. You put that here? Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's not an aspect of place for it on both sides, but when you talk about something on the temporal side, you know, definitely. Uh, You know, like, even think about this. Jesus, when he breathed on the disciples, he said, uh, whosoever sins you, you forgive, they're forgiven. Hmm. Do we really take that seriously? And do we use it like we would use giving a meal to a hungry person? Probably not the way we should. We're kind of nervous about that. If you need to put it in this category to feel like you can do it, the only reason I have the reason, ability to, to say you're forgiven is because I'm a son. Okay, we'll put it over there too. All right, somebody online? Who? Dale, you got something, buddy? Okay. Brett. No, I, I just was going to say, if, if, it's, if it's true in heaven, it's true about us. That's right. That's if right. It's true, and what, which is us, really. And yeah. When we say we're despairingly or we're, you know, and I've fallen into it a lot. I'm misguided. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. This is, yeah, this, this is that line we've got to continue to, to continue to step across and embrace. Continue to cross. Good. All right. Well, forgiveness is a good one. You're right. That's that's an element of ministry that can we go ahead. There's some others too. We, we got a little bit of like encouraging. 
All right, so we're going to split up, and we're going to have two rooms. Some of you guys can go in there, but I've only got room for about probably five people in the other room. And the rest stay in here. Talk about some of these. Let's break up a little bit. And uh, I'm going to pray before we go into the breakout room. Um, Father, I am excited that, I mean, that that's, just doesn't say it. Let's see. I can't find the words to say it. It's an absolutely, utterly amazing thing that we find ourselves in the, in the grace and in the power of the new covenant. We find all that was good in the past redeemed and all that is impossible in the future made possible in it. And so help us, Lord, in the midst of these times to address our own personal sense of insecurity and fear with the confidence that there is in the forgiveness that flows in mercy and the grace that is there to help in time of need. And Father, help us speak to us the possibilities of giving both temporal and eternal ministry to the people in our lives and the people around us. And Lord, just for tonight, there's going to be people protesting down here in Colorado Springs. I pray, Father, that all throughout the crowd of people, there will be revelations released by Holy Spirit that they are loved by the Father in spite of the trauma and in spite of the frustration and the anger. That a revelation of the love of God would be released. And Lord, should you call any of us to be down there, I pray that that revelation could be released through us. And I pray, Father, that we would find our place at the foot of your throne and that we would make declarations that would change people's lives, spirit to spirit. So I thank you for all that we are engaged in because of all that Jesus has done and is right now. And Father, we are reminded that Jesus is in you and we're in him, he's in us. And so we treasure your presence, Jesus, in our hearts. And we allow you to be as big as you want to be there. Holy Spirit, help us. Amen.